Anybody want, want me to help you? We're a church that's quiet. Yeah. Yeah, we're a little reserved, Zach. It's that German Lutheran. We're a church that's what? Committed to serving and sharing Jesus Christ. Amen? That's simple. And we've been on that. We've been on that a long time, and we're going to finish up with that this year. And But I thought I'd, I'd begin today something a little different. I read after... Um, I've got three books in my library about a gentleman named Smith Wigglesworth. Have you ever heard of Smith Wigglesworth? How many have never heard of Smith Wigglesworth? Raise your hand. Okay, some of you young ones. He was an apostle of faith from the early 20th century and, and died in, in, I think, somewhere around in the 40s. He was an apostle of faith and... and uh, there aren't too many Smith Wigglesworths today in the body of Christ. And wherever he went, there were miracles. But today I want to read to you. I'm going to read just a portion, and we'll get into the what I have for you today. But I want you to understand how important soul winning is. Winning the lost. That's why we've been talking about for a long time how to share Jesus Christ effectively. Amen? We're all different. We all have different personalities. We all come from different backgrounds. But we all have a mandate, and I'll show you that in Scripture, that we are to share Christ. Now, that doesn't mean we have to go knock on doors and and, and you know get, work ourselves up to a lather to share Christ. We need to build relationships with people and earn their trust and, and to love them. Amen? Wherever Jesus Christ walked, when he walked the earth, he loved people and he had compassion on people. He cared about people. And so I want to read to you, this, this gentleman, you know, if you, don't, if you don't have his books, I don't know if they're still in print or not. I, I, they probably are. But I want to read to you about... Um, his soul winning, his heart for soul winning. And uh, let me just read it to you a little bit. It says, divine direction is what soul winning is all about, and this is what Wigglesworth always sought. Rather than having his eyes on some manual of soul winning techniques, he had his ears open to the voice of God that paid dividends every time. When Solomon was made king of Israel, the Lord appeared to him and said, ask what shall I give you? And Solomon then magnified the Lord for allowing him to succeed his father, David, as king over Israel. But this is what Solomon's reply was. I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered or counted for multitude. Give therefore your servant an understanding heart to judge people. Now, he could ask for a lot of things, couldn't he? Riches and a big kingdom. But he asked for an understanding heart. And the author said the word understanding in Hebrews means hearing. Everyone say hearing. So if you have an understanding heart, you have a what kind of heart? A hearing heart. Give thy servant a hearing heart or a listening heart. 
This is precisely what Wigglesworth had, which reveals why he had such confidence. Personally, Wigglesworth did not understand what fear was. However, he was fearful about what he saw happening in the church, particularly in regard to the souls of men. And that was way back. What do you think it'd be like now? He would say, oh, what an indifference there is <clears throat> concerning the souls of men. We're too much in, involved in trivialities, things that don't matter. He would say that the greatest need was for a burden for the lost. Do you think that's changed? No, I don't think so. Lost souls <clears throat> were never far from his thoughts. He shed many tears on their behalf. These words of the psalmist meant so much to him from Psalms 126 and verse 6. He that goes forth and weeps bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Whatever Wigglesworth did was out of love for his Lord. <clears throat> he, never had a, he never had as a motive the thought of reward. His great love for children was so evident that it did not take long for children to realize it. He used to go to Liverpool, then a great seaport, where he would gather the children and talk to them about Jesus. And because many of them were brought up in poverty, he would spend all his money to provide for them. Hundreds were won to the Lord Jesus Christ. He fasted every Sunday and could not remember seeing fewer than 50 souls saved. Now, how many believers fast on Sunday just to see people saved? What a challenge to every Christian. In all his personal contacts, he always was in the right place at the right time with the right word. His critics would say it was only coincidence, but it could hardly be coincidence so many times over. His personal contacts numbered in the thousands. Wigglesworth's secret was that he was always in contact with the throne of God. Now we're talking about, you know, sharing Jesus Christ effectively. So if you and I are going to share Christ effectively, we need to be what? In tune with heaven. Our spirits need to be open and receptive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. He had no time for theological arguments because his one aim was to save the lost. You know, as we, we're in the last days, we're in the last of the last days, that should be our sole purpose, is reaching people and winning the lost. Wigglesworth once told me a story, and I, he's, these books are full of stories about him about how an experience that, he, experience that he had on a train. A good illustration of how God directed him in soul winning. The train had stopped for a few minutes at a station, and after taking a walk to stretch his legs, Wigglesworth returned to his compartment and found that he had company. A young woman and her mother had boarded while he'd been out, and to the young woman, Wigglesworth said, You look miserable. I have every reason to be, she replied. I'm going to, to the hospital to have my leg amputated. Now, I guess you would be miserable. Do you know that Jesus can save you? And Wigglesworth said, what do you mean, she replied. Wigglesworth then talked to both women about the Savior. Before long, both of them had accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. And he then said to the young woman, the same Savior who saved your soul can heal your body. 
Can you believe that? Yes, she replied. All right, then, I'm going to pray for you. He anointed her with oil, as he sometimes did. He prayed for her in the name of Jesus. And then he said, now go to the hospital. Let them examine the legs. Show them that you don't need the operation. When she did, as, she sa as he said, she found that she had been miraculously healed. How remarkably Wigglesworth fit into God's plan. He had a marvelous set of ears which heard God's voice. Do you see why we need to have listening ears, listening hearts? He gave another example. He says, one time Wigglesworth felt that God wanted him to go out for some reason. And like Abraham, he went out not knowing where he went. He wondered about every person he saw as to whether that was the one to whom God wanted him to minister. This went on for some time without his getting any witness. Suddenly he saw a man driving a horse and cart. He felt God telling him to get on that cart. And like Philip of old, who was sent to join the Ethiopian eunuch in his chariot, Wigglesworth obeyed. Mounting beside the driver, he was met with a very hostile reception. Could he have made a mistake? No, despite the man's initial threat to throw Wigglesworth off. By the time they'd reached their destination, the man had wept his way to Calvary. Only four days after this event occurred, Wigglesworth's mother asked her son, Did you speak to a man on a cart about his soul? Yes, I did, he replied. His wife has been to see me. By the description her husband gave her, she thought it must have been you. She wanted you to know that he died yesterday. It's been said that we cannot limit the Holy Ghost to a particular method. If we try to do so, we will find that we are then on our own, causing our own accomplishment to be zero. So you need to have listening ears. You need to have a softened heart. You need to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit and then obey that leading. Amen? We want to learn how to share Jesus Christ effectively. And, and uh, I'm not going to take the time to review this morning all that we've talked about. But we started last week. We said, you, if you're going to be an effective witness and you're going to share Christ effectively with the lost, you must know that you are chosen by God. Say chosen by God. Number two, you must realize you're commissioned by God. Say commissioned by God. And number three, you are empowered by God. Say empowered by God. Now, we covered being chosen by God, and this morning we're going to talk about being commissioned by God. Look at uh, Matthew chapter 28. Would you do that, please? Matthew chapter 28. Now, as you turn there, I'll give you a definition of the word commission. It's an authorization to perform certain duties or tasks are to take on certain powers. It's an entrusting as of power and authority to a person or body. Now, I'm a shepherd under the, the great shepherd. But you know what? He's delegated to me authority to be a shepherd or a pastor. How many of you love Jesus and would raise your hand and say, I'm a believer? Well, then you have authority also. 
through the Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 28, here's the great commission. I'll read it to you in verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore if you feel like it. Is that what it says? No, it doesn't say go therefore if you feel like it. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, look at uh, Mark 16. Mark 16. Along the same lines, the words of Jesus Christ in verse 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who what? Believe. So if you're a believer, then there should be some signs, shouldn't there? In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will what? Recover. The church is commissioned to go. The church, which is us, is commanded to go. Say commanded. Now, you read this, and I can remember as a young believer reading this, I thought, I don't want to go. I don't want to go to the Philippines. I don't want to go to Africa, because you read that. Going to all the world, and we think we have to go to the other side of this planet to preach the gospel, and that's not true for everybody. And, and as, as we look at this today, this should bring peace to you. And I want you to realize, bottom line this morning, you have your own mission field wherever you're at, whether it be work, whether it be school. You've got a circle of friends, don't you? Hope you do. But you've got some place you can go and you can build a relationship, whether it be your neighbor's. The church is commissioned to go, and the church is commanded to go. And it's not just for the fivefold ministry, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, but it's for everyone. And so I want to look at two words here. We're going to define these words in the Greek. <clears throat> the first word is nations. We found that in Matthew 28. Everyone say nations. Now, in the Greek, this is ethnos, E-T-H-N-O-S, and this is where we get the word ethnic, which refers to Gentile nations in other parts of the world, but it also expresses the idea of different customs, cultures, and civilizations. This means the gospel is to be taken to people from every culture, custom, civilization, race, color, ethnicity. How do you say that? I have a trouble. I have trouble with that word. Help me. That's about what I said. So that's close enough. But you got to understand, there are all kinds of people out there, are there not? How many of you know somebody from a different culture? Okay. 
You go to school with somebody from a, a different culture. The translation of this should be, Go therefore and teach all ethnic groups, invading every race, every skin color, and every nation with its different customs and culture. Ultimately taking the gospel into every civilization that exists in the world. <clears throat> you and I don't have to travel a great distance to find a different culture. Even in Norfolk, Nebraska. Now, my kid and his wife, they're going to New York City. Caleb's been there and <clears throat> he's taking Kaylee. She's never been there. I, I'm going to tell you right now, that's a whole different place. A lot of different cultures. Amen. Represented there. And you're going you're gonna to have a good time. You're going to see all kinds of things. But you know what? I go, where do I go every day? I go every day to get my McDonald's coffee. I go every day to get my donut. I believe it's God's perfect will for me to do that. And I go to a bakery where, and some of you know, it's Delight Donuts. You've been there. They like the, the glazed donuts. And, and uh, I've, I've built a, you know, kind of a different relationship because they know me. I told you uh, not long ago I went in and I was three people behind. There was a line. And, and uh, the guy behind the counter, the son, looked at me, just went in, got a donut, put it in a sack, and gave it to me. And the guy in line in front of me says, wow, you get special treatment. I said, that's right. And I walked right out. You've eaten your donuts. I've seen you there. They're Buddhists. If you've noticed, I don't know if he's still there or not. I don't pay any attention. There's a roly-poly, what do you call him, Buddha sitting right there on the counter. Now, should I be afraid of that? What I'm talking about, there's all kinds of different people wherever you go. And what you have to do is build a relationship with people. And I'll, I'll, I'll jump to the end of my sermon, and I'll tell you how to do that. Number one, be kind. Everyone say, be kind. We joke. I, I, I park the car, and I, and I don't like going through the drive-thru. To me, it's dangerous, and I got a different truck, and there's iron posts, and I'm just, I'm nervous. And so I just go up to the door, window on the, and knock on the window, and he comes and brings me my donut. Some days you'll go like this, which means there's no donuts. Well, you know what? When I walk in there, he smiles at me. His mother and father, they, their English is the best. And, you know, she just, the other, the other day I went in, she said, you don't want sprinkles or not? Sprinkles, sprinkles or not? And I said, no, just give me a plain white ice donut. But they know me. And I can't, I'm not going to go in there and give them a tract and say, you know, you, the God, you're, you, you're, you're way off on your, in your religion. Because you're not going to get anywhere with doing that. But their donut's 85 cents, and every day I go in, I don't say every day, because I do go to Casey's too. I, their donut's 85 cents, and all I do is hand, hand them a dollar. Hand them a dollar. I don't expect any change. Now, there'd be a lot of Christians. A lot of changes. So they get 15 cents extra every time I go in there. That brings me to the, the second thing. What's the first thing? Be kind. The second thing, if you want to build relationship with people, win them to Christ, be generous. 
be generous. If you go in a restaurant and, and, and you're treated well, and in some places in Norfolk you're not, but in many times you are. And most of, how many have ever waited tables? Anybody here waited tables? Do you appreciate when people leave you tips? Uh, she's grinning. Sure. Tip them well. You know, I don't need to pull out my calculator to figure out what 20% is. Do you know sometimes I've left 40%? Sometimes I do it, and she don't know about it because I know she wouldn't be happy if she knew what I tipped. It's called being generous. You want to win people to Christ, be kind. You want to win people to Christ, then be generous. Amen? So you don't have to go far to build a relationship with someone from another culture, another race. Boy, New York would be the place. That would be the proving ground there. Look at, uh, well, I'm going to read to you from John 4 in my commentary. How many of you know, not long ago I preached about the Samaritan woman. <laughs> Jesus went out of his way to preach to someone that was despised by the Jews. Do you remember that story? Raise your hand. You, you know who I'm, who I'm talking about. And this is what, in the margin of the Bible, it's entitled sensitivity. I guess that'd be another one we could, we could say, you know, besides being generous. Jesus' sense of constraint. He needed and chose to travel through Samaria, an area shunned by the Jews, demonstrated great intentionality in reaching out with reconciling love. He reaches out with a divine love and a human sensitivity to a woman who was of a different race and whose morals were questionable. Now, you might not so know someone from a different race, but let me ask you if you know anybody whose morals are questionable. Anybody? Boy, you are quiet today. God, what's it going to be like when we do communion next week? It's all right. Just look at me. Draw strength from your pastor when you're leading this quiet group. This is consistent with Jesus' frequent reachings. Breaking the mold of traditionally religious, he became a friend of tax collectors and the generally generally sinful, who were not only loathed by the supposedly righteous, but were thought to be unworthy of attention. Jesus gave time and energy to relationships. I want you to think about that. Jesus gave time and energy in building relationships. Why, why is Coder here today? Did he just stumble in? No, because you chose to build a relationship with him. Did he get really preachy with you? No. Jesus gave time and energy to relationships. Now, this is the part I, I don't like because I've experienced it. Which, if you take time to build 
relationship with other people, it will also sometimes mean that you will experience pain and loss. Did you hear me? If you're going to go out of your way and share and be an effective witness and build a relationship, sometimes you're going to experience pain and loss. There are chairs here that are empty today because of people experiencing pain and loss. I've experienced pain and loss because relationships were broken. Can you relate to that? It's no fun. It's not easy. But just because that happens doesn't mean you quit building relationships with other people. Amen? It says, <clears throat> He provides yet another life quality for us to emulate. He calls us to enter intentionally and sensitively into the experiences of other brothers and sisters in Christ even if they're different from us culturally, ethnically, or denominationally. Well, that's, that's something. Well, I'd say with some churches, you know, you can't work together. I was tickled, Pastor Brad, and some of you helped with the Baptist minister in town and doing some things. I was tickled last night with, we had dinner with Kaylee's folks. They go to a Lutheran church, and they were at the Salvation Army, and they took their youngest daughter and they handed out food. Amen? You, you, we've got to learn how to get out of our comfort zone in some respects. Night to Shine's been a good one, hasn't it? Sure it has. The second word is the word cosmos, which we found in, in Mark 16. And this is anything that is ordered. It's a political system, a system found in any part of society, such as a circle of friends or any sphere where you live and have influence. Satan, the Bible says, is the god of this what? Cosmos or this world. Not the physical world, but he is the god. How many would say there's some problems in the political arena? How many of you would say there's some definite issues in Hollywood? Why? Satan is the god of those systems. That's what that word means. As believers, we are sent into all of these systems with the gospel. Okay? Some examples of systems are work, school, special clubs, a circle of friends. That could be your personal cosmos where you live and function and have an opportunity to influence other people. Jesus, bottom line, everyone say bottom line. Jesus never expected you and I to move to the other side of the world to preach and teach the gospel. But he does expect you and I to enter into our own personal cosmos, our own personal circle of friends that we can influence. Amen? Some of us, you know, that might be like me because I'm in the antiques, other antique dealers. Some of us like to hunt. It might be other hunters. I'll guarantee you, you don't go up to some hunters <clears throat> in this area of the country and just get in their face and start preaching the gospel to them. They're liable to shoot you. You've got to learn how to earn their trust. Find out your, your area. Micah, with you, it'll be... No doubt it'll be guns. 
You'll, you'll develop friendships and relationships with other men. You've already met some people that, that you respect and are, are definitely gifted. Find out what your personal cosmos is. Every day, you're on the radio. There's your cosmos. There's your world. We listen to you when we go out of town sometimes. One day I texted you. So that was a good show. Did you get that text? Yeah. Find out what you're... How many of you got friends? How many, how many of you know where you're at today? Is turkey done? It's the turkey, Abe. It's just filled your system and you're just dull and lethargic. Find out where God has called you to be and where God has called you to minister. That's the thing that's so important. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.32, it says, Be kind to one another. Kind means goodness and action. Goodness and action. Sweetness of disposition. Gentleness in dealing with others. That's not always me. Benevolence. It's a friendly attitude toward others. Then in Ephesians 4.28, it talks about giving. It talks about being generous. So this morning, we're coming into Christmas season. You don't have to be kind and generous just in December. You can be kind and I can be kind and generous Every day of every year. Amen? How many of you with uplifted hands would say, I'm going to be a better tipper? Let me see your hands. Oh. Say this with me. I have been chosen by God, commissioned by God, and empowered by God. I got thinking, we went to West Point not long ago because at a Trapper's Convention. That, that's a whole different culture. Whole, <laughs> Steve's grinning. That's a whole different group of guys. Pretty rough, some of them. But I felt at home. I had fun. Don't be afraid of people. Don't be, a, how about, oh, here's another one. I'm looking at Chase. I don't look at Robert anymore because Chase kind of taken the anointing away, and he's he's going to be the. Are are race tr- racers different breed? Most of them. Do they all know Jesus? No, no. How how about where you work? <laughs> Amen. Think about it. How about your construction company? You meet all kinds of people. How about Nucor? Whoa, how about the city of Norfolk? All different kinds of people. Teachers, you're retired now, but that's a whole nother group. Truckers. What do you do, Kenny, now? Anything? <laughs> you, you're, you're, you're doing something entirely different, aren't you? Yeah, sorry you had to work Thanksgiving, but the pay was good, wasn't it? How about people come in your shop? Are some of them different? Well, Brad, Caleb, and Mike would come up, yeah, yeah. How about where you work at Wayne? How about all those little old folks that come in and get their eyes checked? Amen. How about the meadows? How about those that you work with and looking into their mouth every day? 
How about a mechanic? Volcraft. We've already covered your area. That's, that's a whole different. How about being a, a barber or a beautician? NPPD. Do you see how such diversity? Say, I'm not afraid of people. Stand up. Say, I'm not afraid of people. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I love Jesus. And I'm going to let my light shine. Wherever I go, the Spirit of God leads me. Wherever I go, I'm led by the Spirit in building relationship with other people. Amen? It's that easy. So will you do that this Christmas season? If you're here today and you're sick in your body, can I pray for you? If not, I won't pray. I want to uh, encourage you to do this. If we, are you listening? I called uh, Ellen and Larry. Those of you should all really realize he's been diagnosed with acute leukemia. And I called to go down and see him, but he had just gotten up, and I could tell by Ellen, she's so sweet, but I could tell she didn't want me to come down. But I want you to be led by the Spirit how you could minister to this couple. You know, it's not easy going back and forth from the doctor, getting blood transfusions, and, um, you know, then he'll be getting a, another round of chemo again. You know, it might just be a card. I don't know. The Spirit of God might lead you maybe to make them something, bake them something, and take it to them. But what they need, they need support. Amen. It's the same way with Pat, with, with her infirmities that she's dealt with. She, she needs encouragement, too. You never know. You might be there, and I don't want you to be there. But you reap what you sow. Amen. Well, is anything else? Communion, and you can come and be quiet and reserved if you want to be. Don't eat any turkey this week. Get it eaten up today. Get the leftovers eaten. So get, you get it, flush it out of your system. You know, you don't want to be tired next Sunday morning. Amen. But I believe you go out and you'll build relationships. Amen. God bless you. Thank